0: This is a story about a series of murders and disappearances that happened in the winter of 2000, previously on A New Winter. She looked at me dead in the eye and held the gun back up. Don't you know, she said with a smile, you kill everyone. You kill my father, you kill Kate, you kill Grahams, you are the killer. This is episode 35 of A New Winter. I was the killer? It didn't make sense, did it? You have something inside you, Sophia said, an evil side, Jackie tells me. She says it takes you over. No, she can't be right, I've never hurt anyone in my entire life. So that's it then, you brought me here to kill me then, to get your revenge. No, she said, I brought you here to meet someone. And with that, she nodded for me to turn around. And when I did, I saw Father Reynolds. He smiled warmly and was wearing a thick, long black coat. One arm extended towards me in order to shake my hand, and I just left it there. I wasn't sure whether it was Father Jack or Father Ian. "'Which are you?' I asked. He laughed. (laughs) "'Which are you?' is the more important question. "'You've become confused.' unpredictable you're scaring people we've tried to create a normal environment for you give you the humanity that you've been searching for I don't know what more that you want we don't question you, we leave you do the things that you want to do that you go off on these, on these rampages you sporadically torture and abuse and murder our people the ones who praise you who've been doing this For countless years. Is it any wonder that some of us rise up against you now? That a good portion of us have hunted you down? We've only tried to help. Honestly, we have. But perhaps it's too late. Sophia here. Her father was a friend of mine. The poor girl has nothing now. But we've taken her in. We'll make this her new home. Here. She's apologised for her actions, for the untimely death of your friend. It won't work, I said. They'll be looking for her. You can't just kill a policeman. She should turn herself in if she knows what's good for her. Oh, don't worry, we've sorted that. We were able to take him back to his house and, well, we just set the whole thing on fire. There won't be anything left but his his charred corpse. Hmm, I said. Well then, why am I here? Because, he sighed, we're going to have to sacrifice you. Your actions cannot be left unanswered for. We tried rehabilitating you and it didn't work. No matter how many drugs we pumped into you, it failed. We tried to capture you, but it seems you have friends, both natural and unnatural. So now it's come to this. We need to sacrifice you while... Well, while well, there's still time. Time? What do you mean, sacrifice me? I asked. What do you think it means? You're an abomination. You defy everything we've come to believe. You're becoming too erratic. You're not looking at the bigger picture here. You're off on your own whims. Robert hasn't even answered our callings. He's forsaken us, and it's because of you. Don't look for help either he said the tower can't help you down here he was searching for a reaction from me but I wasn't sure what he stared at me and laughed to himself well, keep the gun on him Sophia he said and from his pockets he pulled out a pair of leather gloves and slowly put them on you know, you're a sick fuck he said I mean, I like a bit of slap and tickle every now and then, don't get me wrong. But you, you get off on death. Torture. That's not what we're about. We revel in life. We worship the moment. We want to continue this forever. But you've, you've gone beyond. Just then he threw his fist round and hit me across the face. I fell down onto my knees and looked up to see his fist come launching towards me again. Then I was on the floor I felt my jaw Was it broken? I wasn't sure Don't move, he said And he grabbed my wrists And using some kind of electrical cable Began to tie them together behind my back Spat blood onto the floor And then he pulled a Stanley knife out of his pocket No, please, look I don't know what you're talking about I pleaded with him There's no need for this Slowly he leaned down and pulled the knife up to my face. I pulled away, but there was nothing I could do. He had me pinned down. I took a deep breath and tried not to think about what was about to come. Then I felt a tug at my shirt. The knife ripped through. ''Don't worry,'' he said. ''We're not like you.'' And he started cutting off all my clothes. Soon I was just lying there naked... There we go. Now, for the others. Just then he looked up towards the sky and let out an almighty shriek, the same shrieking that had been following me for so long. In the distance, I heard the faintest of replies, the same shriek dancing upon the wind. They'll be here soon, he said, so let's get this done. He pulled me to my feet. My face was sore, aching, It must have been clearly bruised. And my right eye was starting to swell significantly. He pushed me in front of him and towards a door on the right-hand side that opened up to a set of stairs leading down. We walked down this spiral staircase. And it seemed to go on forever. Once we reached the end, I opened another door and through a small series of corridors before we came to what was clearly the meeting place. We were in the middle of what looked like a large concrete silo or something just a huge, tall, concrete, empty cylinder I wonder what this was originally used for but I imagine it wasn't for sacrifices There, in the middle, was a large wooden pole and around it a heap of firewood Oh no, please no but it was clear what was going to happen to me I turned around and tried to run, but Reynolds, Ian, I had presumed, kicked me onto the floor before I'd even taken three steps. There's no running, lad, he said. You'll be over soon. There's no point in fighting it. I think it's time that we cured you, you know, for your own sake at least. I started sobbing. I was a complete mess. I felt a huge weight on my shoulders as Reynolds dragged me to the pole and tied me up to it. I was trying to plead further but it was just coming out as meek mumbles and sobs. This was it. This was it and there was no getting out. Slowly, trickles of people started coming in. Naked, wearing those horrific masks. They were all shapes and sizes. Men, women, children. All of them wandered in and surrounded me. I could feel their warmth. This strange, extreme heat from their bodies. The heavy panting. I wondered how many would come along before they started the sacrifice. How much time did I have left? Just then Reynolds, still dressed, stood straight and began. He spoke in a strange tongue, but it did sound somewhat familiar... My head felt like it was going to burst the more he talked. I strained my eyes. Suddenly, all I could hear was just a white noise. It was deafening. My vision started to blur and and all I could see was a flame coming towards me. This was where my journey would end, I guess. After everything that had happened, everything I learned, it would just all come to this but just as I could feel the heat coming from the flames. I noticed a shriek and a frenzy of commotion. What was happening? The torch had been dropped somehow, but the person holding it had just disappeared. The wood beneath me was still on fire, but it wouldn't take long to reach me. I screamed for help, for anyone to help. But as I looked into the crowd, I noticed that people were were just kidding one another. There was smoke rising and the heat was starting to make my eyes water even further. I couldn't even see out of my right eye at all now. The sounds were echoing off this huge concrete cylinder that we were in. So everything sounded like it was happening over and over again as the reverberations just bounced around. It was starting to get too much for me and and soon I could just feel an unbearable heat against the bottom of my right foot. I tried moving it away, or lifting it, but I couldn't. Slowly, I could feel it getting too hot, and it was rising up my leg, and then on my other foot. I involuntarily let out a huge scream and felt like my brain had finally snapped. I was making some inhuman, god-awful noises. I was, I was shrieking. Loudly. In fact, it was just melting into the sounds and shrieks of the others around me. Until, until suddenly, I felt myself go, and I collapsed forward. But I was caught by a huge pair of arms. I felt myself get lifted up, and I was cradled like a baby. I was being carried, in fact, and then I felt this. This sensation of speed, as as whoever it was that was holding me was running as fast as they could. There were other shouts and shrieks and just strange noises coming from all around, but I couldn't see anything. In fact, I'd shut my eyes now. I could then tell we were going back up the stairs, and then I heard bullets hit the metal nearby. No, I could hear it was Sophia. Come back! Come back! She was shouting, screaming pleading but it was too late i felt the cold air and heard the dead silence of the outside there was a lot of panting and running and i imagine there must have been a couple of us i didn't want to open my eyes just yet i felt too weak and to be honest i was too scared get some of that snow i heard a voice say a female voice put it on his feet and wrap him up in this I was laid out in the back seat of a car, and I felt myself being covered up. Soon the car was moving. Faster, I heard a woman say. We need to get back. Then I felt us take a tight right-hand turn. Careful, bloody hell, I heard the woman say. It's just that I saw... said a deep man's voice. But he was interrupted by what was a loud crash into the side of the car. We were still moving... But I was shaking, and not just from the cold. I hid under my blanket. I was freezing. But I just had to have faith in whoever these people were. "'Smash them off the road,' I heard the woman say. "'There's another car behind them. Quick!' We were swerving. And then I felt the collision of metal against metal, as the cars were now clearly banging against each other. "'They're going to try and kill us. Put your foot down,' the woman shouted. But then... To my covers from beneath our eyelids I could see I could see a blue light shit I heard the man say and then from behind us I heard a huge crash the blue light then just disappeared keep going the woman said was that what I think it was? said the guy don't worry about it just keep going after another 15 minutes or so of silence the car stopped As the blanket was taken off me, I dared open my eyes and saw... the lion. He carried me out of the car, and as I turned to look at it, I could see it was an extremely damaged Land Rover. But what amazed me was the woman. The woman was Kate. Kate Stockwell. As I turned the other way, I saw the house. The house where Nicola had taken me. The house that... I'd seen Mr Tooley in and sure enough as we walked in sitting by the fireplace as if it were gentleman's lounge of any kind sat Mr Tooley he went up and spoke to the line first my word we'll be too late is he okay he's fine the line spoke my dear boy you've really been through the mill haven't you he smiled at me what's happening I managed to croak out well we just saved your life you can rest him on the seat have some tea will you the line put me down on the chair opposite him there was a raging fire and I warmed up quickly but the sight of the fire it just made me nauseous Mr Tilly put a warm cup of tea in my hands well you've certainly shaken things up a bit this time haven't you They tried to kill me. They wanted to sacrifice me, they said. What the fuck is going on? No need for that language. Yes, uh, well, they've certainly started something that they won't be able to finish now. Uh, That Reynolds always was a conniving bastard. Both of them, in fact. What have they they started, I asked. They've started a war, Tiddy said, in a serious tone. They've taken it upon themselves to judge the likes of you. And we can't stand for that. Or those that have joined him. We shall end this, all of us. This little uprising won't last long, my boy, I guarantee you that. A war, I said. But, and then in a split second, I had a glass smash. And small, strange noise immediately after... I turned around and saw that the window beside us had been broken. When I turned back to Mr Tooley, he was slumped in his chair, his eyes open, his mouth motionless, blood pouring down the side of his face. It was too late. He was dead. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. For more info, including how you can support the show, please visit anewwinter.com. Thank you for listening to A New Winter. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?